Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Listeners, thanks for joining us on Lighthouse Conversation. I have with me in the studio two members from the Environmental Awareness Group here in Antigua and Barbuda. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversation, Miss Natalia and Miss Shanna. Thanks for accepting my invitation to talk with you on the environment and ways to protect and or conserve it. Thanks for joining us, ladies. Please enlighten us on your responsibilities at EAG. Thank you for having us. So as you said, my name is Natalia Lawrence, and I coordinate the Offshore Islands Conservation Program, which is primarily located in the northeast coast of Antigua and Barbuda. So you can think of Great Bird Island, even Green Island, so as far back as Green Island. We work with um, endangered animals, like the critically endangered Antiguan racist snake, which is about three feet. Everybody thinks, when we talk about our snakes, we they think like a little earthworm are they actually real snakes yeah so that's what I do primarily a lot of educational outreach can't wait to talk to you about our work okay good and Miss Shannon yeah. hi everyone my name is Shanna Challenger and I am the Redonda Restoration Program Coordinator and so by this time I know everybody knows a little something about Redonda um, take a second to think about a quick Redonda fact Okay, great. <laughs> so, um, Redonda, of course, is our third offshore island, and I am responsible for the restoration efforts that have been taking place over there. So, the removal of the goats, the eradication of the rats, and now the wildlife monitoring of the ecosystem as it recovers. So, yeah, that's my job. Okay, now who is EAG? The EAG is the Environmental Awareness Group. It was founded in 1988 out of a group of citizens um, were concerned about the use of the environment and as we we don't really think about it but pretty much everything that we depend on everything in this room practically would have come from the environment so these concerned citizens were very aware of what was happening in Antigua and they banded together and they made EAG and EAG still exists today it's the longest um, existing environmental NGO in Antigua and Barbuda okay what is the function of the EAG within our communities and the environment we do a lot of educational outreach. We find that people here think that 
environmental conservation is for a select set of people. So people with money, people who are not from here, everybody else is concerned about getting you know, their daily bread covered and they don't really think about how the environment helps to do that. So we do a lot of educational outreach. We get people to appreciate the wildlife that's here because we find that people know a lot about other countries, you know, like the US and Canada and England. They don't know anything about what's here and they can't appreciate it if they don't know about it. Right? Can I give an example there, Natalia? So, for example, when we are doing our outreach and things, um, we'll be in a school mm-hmm. and, you know, of course, they study ecosystems, they study food chains and we of course go in and instead of a food chain you have a bald eagle and these kind of what does another thing that they elephant, have? An elephant tiger. a lion a tiger we're like no we have all of these because people in Antigua they don't realize that we have falcons here we have hawks here we have kestrels um, mm-hmm. and then of course we so we try to Im- um, encourage them to use these natural these animals that are found here in Antigua because we don't have we don't have to go all the way outside to be able to get this we have so many interesting and indigenous species here in Antigua Antigua and because we see it all the time of course we take we take it for granted um, it's only and so as a member of the EAG we try to show people the beauty and the importance of all that's around us so that they can incorporate like in their thoughts um, and not I find Antiguans we try to uh, people in general we tend to think very short term Right, and so we at the Environmental Awareness Group, we try to get people get an appreciation for what we have and how long term the little things that we do to minimize our environmental impacts will benefit the species and us as a people in the future. Okay, and you just mentioned Shana, the ecosystem. Enlighten us on that. What is an ecosystem? Right. So an ecosystem, let's think of it very basically. It is just all the parts of an environment working together. So just like me and you, each person is playing their role. Um, And so you have there's living and non-living parts of the ecosystem. So a lot of people, we forget about the wind and the sunlight as part of the ecosystem. But without the sun, of course, the plants can't grow. Without the plants, the insectivores and the insects can't be fed and then, you know, vice versa the, f- the food chain mm-hmm. and the circle of life right and so we do a lot of outreach um, in sc- we more go with primary schools um, we do a few secondary schools but mostly primary schools um, trying to explain to them about the importance of ecosystems and the many types of ecosystems that we have here in Antigua of course people you should be familiar with our mangrove ecosystems you can see a lot of them where Natalia works in the offshore islands um, McKinnon's Pond especially if you want to see a lot of ducks and waterfall right now it's a very good time, get your binoculars and go to McConnell's Pond right now. Um, another thing that you can do, uh, another type of ecosystem, sorry, that we have, of course, is coral reefs, where we have our part fish, we have our lobster and all of that there. Um, swamps as well, so right opposite um, Radio Lighthouse, actually, there's a swamp, Valley Church Swamp there. <laughs> um, of course, the forest is an ecosystem as well, so Fig Tree Drive, going through there, and it's just all of the living and non-living things in the environment working together to be able to produce all that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's your ecosystem. Uh, even if you want to teach your children about ecosystems, it's just, it's it's simple. You can have micro-ecosystems. You can go into your backyard and lift up a, a piece a of wood or, or, or a rock. And on that is an ecosystem. That's a micro-ecosystem because you have the non-living and the living together and you can see how they depend on each other to survive. And don't forget about the worms and the bacteria that are breaking down everything. Like So there's a lot of things that you're not even seeing that are working. And so a lot of people, people times people think 
like that you have to go out to be able to see like Natalia said literally in your backyard those little birds that are coming to your garden and the insects that they are around you and the Cuban frogs that are there <laughs> unfortunately all of them are part of the ecosystem enlighten our listeners on the unique and endangered species in Antigua and Barbuda Just ooh so many <laughs> so well, let many start off yes. with the racer start off Natalia <laughs> my project the offshore islands well it's a program now the offshore islands conservation program started off as the Antiguan Racer Conservation Project because how many of us knew that Antigua had snakes, right? They were widespread over the island and I bet everybody's saying, well, I'm glad that the snakes are gone now because, you know, we have an innate fear of snakes. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when in the when the settlers had come to plant sugarcane and so on, they inadvertently brought rats to Antigua and the rats had no predators here. Mm-hmm. So the rats flourished and then they brought, they deliberately brought mongooses to control the snakes and to control the rats. Dun, dun, right? dun. So this, the, the rats actually, the rats and the mongooses together have voracious appetites and they cleared out we had specific species only found in Antigua. So we had a curly-tailed lizard that's totally gone. Mm. We had our own parrot. You know, Dominica has their own parrot. St. Vincent has their own. We had our own. Totally gone. I mean, before us. So we wouldn't even know and appreciate that. Mm. But we had the Antiguan racer. It was left on one tiny little island, Great Bird Island. But that, too, was covered in rats. And they, the, the snakes on the island were not doing very well. So the snake was rediscovered in 93. Mm-hmm. And in 95, they cleared the island of rats and everything started to flourish. The birds came back to Great Bird Island and we started to see a number of plants that we didn't see before. Um, we hadn't seen for years, um, like the golden talinum that's found on all the offshore islands that we've restored. And we had some strange birds that, you know, re- rarely recorded. They came back. Um, some come back. We had 500% increases in some bird population. So um, that's how the offshore islands conservation program evolved. Redondo was born out of this desire to to clear our biggest, well, one of our biggest offshore islands. Mm-hmm. And that too has rare and unique species, which Shannon will talk about. Okay. Yes. So if you're keeping count, so that's one, mm-hmm. the Antigua Racer snake, which is critically endangered and it's also endemic. So critically endangered is not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Antigua Racer snake, we were actually the number one most rarest snake in the entire world. But through our conservation efforts, we have gone down. We're number four on the list now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Still not a good place to be, mm-hmm. but we're, as the populations increase, we get lower and hopefully eventually we'll be able to come down to endangered and then just to threaten. Um, so IUCN puts out a list of all species and basically rates them based on um, habitat availability, um, predators, etc. And so critically endangered means there's not many of them. So in 1995, when they were discovered, there were only 50, 50 in the entire world. Um, and luckily, now here in 2019, we have about 1,200 on the offshore islands. And so... Um, Big shout out to Natalia and her team for being able to accomplish that. <laughs> a little claps for them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, again, Antigua Reza only found on our offshore islands, nowhere else in the world. Um, just before we get to Redondo, um, I'll mention the or two endemic lizards. I'm sure you've seen them in your garden. The green, the green, well, the three, oh, yes. Well, I can't amoeba. Um, so we have two tree lizards. So these are the green lizards that you usually see mm-hmm. around the place. They're actually two species. Analyst Watsi and Analyst Liechi. So one is the leeches annual, which is the not so pretty one. Sorry to say. No, it is it's, pretty. It's, it's pretty. <laughs> okay. It's, 
it's 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 prettyish. Um, and then it's we have Watsi, which is brown mm-hmm. and definitely not pretty. Um, I think I think I I am biased because I think my redonda lizards are prettier. That's oh, why. Oh, okay. <laughs> there that's we go. Just, there that's, we go. That's the one, but black and sparkly. <laughs> anyway, so um, cu- keeping count, so we have the mm-hmm. Antigua racer, we have the leeches annual, which is again the one that you'll see in your yard that has like a bunch of like spots on yes. it. You have the Watsi, which is the smaller brown ones that you see running quickly, and then of course we have the Antiguan ground lizard, right. which you know those, you know mm-hmm. you can see them scuttling. You see, you hear them usually before you see them. Um, next, of course, would be Redonda, and so on Redonda we have three critically endangered species of lizards, um, so found nowhere else in the entire world, and only restricted to Redonda. Unlike the other, like the snake, which is on the other offshore islands, it is only on Redonda. So God forbid something happened to Redonda, we would lose mm. all of them, unfortunately. So the first one is the Redonda Ground Dragon. Okay. Yes. I see aptly named. She's excited about yeah. Aptly named. And it is like the Antiguan Ground Lizards, but it is jet black and it sparkles in the sun. Oh, They're nice. fantastic. Okay. They're very friendly. They're magic. They are very friendly. I've had, I think, 10 crawling at me at one time. I'm very <laughs> Marianne's face. Marianne is not happy about this. No, I am not. <laughs> um, but, but yes, um, they are very friendly because, of course, on Redonda, they're not accustomed to seeing anybody. So when we go there, mm. they're just trying to see if they can eat me. Oh. If, what is this? What is this big thing here that's taking up space? So I've had 10 of them um, crawling on me at once. Um, but they are very friendly and very fun to look at. Mm-hmm. The next one, of course, is Redonda Tree Lizard. And so just like a distant cousin of our tree lizards here, but um, all they have like this bright yellow eye to them and they're very good at camouflage and so they can change their color very quickly. The last one is the Redonda Pygmy Gecko which is very, very new to science and it was only discovered in 2009. That was when it was first discovered and realized that it's a completely new species um, different from what was what anything else. So it is actually still being genetically described um, mm-hmm. so it doesn't even have a scientific name yet <laughs> um, and they're really, really cool. Um, they're really, really tiny. Very, very small. Oh. They're about this size. Mm-hmm. Um, so about an inch long <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> a couple inches only. only place that they're found um, when you catch them it's kind of cool if you hold them up to the light you can actually see right through them oh, so wow. I think that's kind of cool mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yes so that's from Redonda and then um, also speaking about um, endemic and endemic species, the Barbuda Wobbler. Hey, we didn't talk about the whistling duck. Leave the Barbuda Wobbler. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and talk about it. It's fine. Go right ahead and talk about it. <laughs> Go ahead, Natalia. <laughs> okay, so the whistling duck, it's a, a really tall and elegant waterfowl. It has a very fragmented habitat across the Caribbean. So the last habitat was Antigua. So it's found in the Great Antilles, Cuba, um, I think Puerto Rico yeah. as well. Cuba has the healthiest population. Antigua has a pretty, pretty healthy population. But they are wetland birds, so they survive by ponds and dams and so on. So obviously, mm-hmm. when we're going through this very bad drought, they are... They, they suffer. We've had multiple people come to Antigua just to see whistling ducks because mm-hmm. they can be seen here and they're vulnerable. They're only found in a few Caribbean islands and nowhere else in the world. Antigua is one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful, tall, elegant, very secretive, mm-hmm. except for a hotel on the mainland where they've been domesticated. <laughs> and they literally mm-hmm. expect you to feed them. Okay. The ducks at that hotel, they literally expect you to feed them. Otherwise, when you see them in the wild... <laughs> It's really an exciting experience. Yeah, hmm. yeah. They have a very distinct call. Yeah, they well. whistle. Okay, they whistle. Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, and so I'll talk about marine really quickly. Marine wise, of course, can't leave it out. Or turtles, turtles. <laughs> duh. Um, so all of the our hawksbill turtle, our national <laughs> sea creature, is of course critically endangered. The hawksbill turtle, um, EAG turtle tours will begin in June uh, <laughs> with the nesting season. So if you want to come out with us on one of our evenings and um, you know see the tur- eat see the sea uh, mother come up and lay her eggs or see some hatchlings go back into the sea, um, I'll, we'll leave our contact details. You have to listen till the end of the interview to be able to get our contact <laughs> details. <laughs> um, so definitely um, here in Antigua, we have the criti- uh, critically endangered hawksbill turtle, we have the loggerhead, we have the green turtle, and we have the leatherback turtle. Um, right now, it's leatherback nesting season, so if you see any there was one that had come up not too far from here actually mm-hmm. and I remember people were like is this when the turtles get so big and like yes turtles can well the leatherback especially they can weigh about a ton they're actually the largest turtles in the world yeah. and we get them nesting here yeah mm-hmm. so they can literally weigh a ton wow. <laughs> um, in terms of weight and they only eat um, jellyfish, jellyfish actually and oh. they get massive um, so yes um, our turtle we have four species of turtles which are choosing Antigua and the offshore islands to, to feed, on to their, feed yeah. and to um, nest well, as the well. Loggerhead doesn't nest. Well, yeah. So yeah. he's he's just feeding. Mm-hmm. He hasn't he hasn't decided to come on shore yet. Mm-hmm. But um, the other three, they um, all feed and nest, um, nest mm-hmm. in our beaches. Thanks for joining us on Lighthouse Conversation. I am Marian Samuel, your host, and I am speaking with Natalia and Shana from the Environmental Awareness Group here in Antigua and Barbuda. Now I'll talk about the Barbuda Wobbler. Yes. Right. Which is our sole endemic bird. Okay. It is the only bird that we have here because we have so many birds here in Antigua. It's the only bird that we have that is only found on Barbuda. It's found nowhere else in the world. And it is a beautiful, very elegant bird as well. Um, well, not very elegant. It likes to, st- it, it, it stands with elegant. its, it stands with its butt cocked up. It's quite so elegant. So that may be elegant for some and not elegant for <laughs> others. <laughs> um, but it has a very very unique posture and it has a lovely singing voice mm. um, I'm going to see does. if I can pull it up while Natalia speaks all the Caribbean islands or almost all of them all the countries have endemic birds Cuba which is large has 20 something and Jamaica mm. has 20 something and you, the countries that have endemic birds you see them incorporated somewhere into their colors or their flags or something in Jamaica you see the streamer tail hummingbird almost in every sign yeah. right our Barbuda Wobbler is little known I don't mm. even know when it was actually declared uh, our endemic species yes. but many many people don't know about it it's a beautiful little bird if you know the yellow the mangrove wobbler it's a golden yellow bird that you find in the dry forest the, it's always hanging out with the Barbuda Wobbler on Barbuda yeah. mm-hmm. and the Barbuda Wobbler is grey on the back and yellow on underneath mm-hmm. and as Shanna says it does have a beautiful singing voice mm-hmm. that she's going to play right now okay mm-hmm. yes go right ahead <laughs> Yes, so it's, wow. it's, it's, it's really fun to be uh-huh. out in the forest doing our surveys and hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really nice. Let's talk a little about the benefits of the endemic species. Having endemics, it is... It's not only about bragging rights, but it's also a little bit about bragging rights. (laughs) Because you want to be able to say, hey, this is something that we only us have. Y'all can't get it Mm -hmm. in no way, no shape, no form. This is us. This is solely us. Um, And I feel a little bit bad that the Barbuda Wobbler doesn't get 
as much shine as the magnificent frigate birds. But yeah, I feel very yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying, but um, the frigate bird colony, we will not put any shame on their name yeah, because, it. yeah, it is um, actually the largest one in the Western mm-hmm. Hemisphere. Um, so we're very proud of that, of course. But we want the Bobby the Wobbler to get a little bit of shine as okay. well. And you know something about it being endemic? When you go to, because birding is a very po- important part of tourism. It's mm-hmm. catching on here. But birders tend to be very driven. Yeah, They'll go to a country. They do not want to go to the beach. No. They want to see particular birds on a list. Mm-hmm. So they would come right, uh, even right after Hurricane um, Irma, there were people calling us and flying from Barbados, flying from all over. So Puerto they could Rico, go and Guadalupe. see the wobbler on Barbuda. Wow. Right? And it's, it's a big thing. It okay. is. A, and we just, we, uh, many people don't actually know that it exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So we're, we're trying to let people know a little bit more about what mm-hmm. is happening with our Barbuda Wobbler. And you know, well, it's so funny because it's so easy to see. Okay. It, that's easy. something well, about it, it. It's shining now you're talking. Yes. I'm sure people <laughs> will listen and they will say, you know what? I'll forget bird, the forget bird. You know, but you've never really heard about it. That's what it the, looks like. Oh. It's a very cute bird. Now I know guys, what you guys go on are talking Google about. Right now. Okay. Go on Google okay. right yes, now listeners. and Google Barbuda Wobbler mm-hmm. and you, you'll say ah at the same time as mm-hmm. us. Aww. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, b- besides bragging rights, they play up, up an important part of our ecosystem, as yes. we talked about earlier. I mean, again, when we go to the schools, the children talk about eagles and they talk about elephants and tigers. Mm-hmm. But think about it in the whole scheme of things. You bring an elephant to Antigua and that's going to be massive destruction. <laughs> it's not going to help. right? The, the animals that we have here that are supposed to be here, mm-hmm. they play a role in protecting us. Yes. Like the warblers, they would keep help to keep the insect population down. So a lot of the birds, well, a lot of the... Um, the land birds that we have, they'll keep the insect population down. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that our endemics will do. Yeah. Right? They also help with seed dispersal. They help with pollination. So those are also very important. I mean, we pick the fruits. They taste good. We're happy. We expect that the Lord will cause them to grow again next season. We yeah. don't think about the intimate, the, you know, the, li- the little details into how these things actually come about next season. Yeah. We don't appreciate that. Even when Shannon talks about the leatherback eating jellyfish, we go to the beach and we don't want jellyfish mm-hmm. in the water. Yeah, and we, we go up, you don't even have to worry, but if... God forbid all the leatherbacks were to go, we would because jellyfish they breed very quickly okay. and in very large numbers. So all the jellyfish, all the leatherbacks go. All of a sudden, there's millions of jellyfish in the unchecked, water, unchecked. Yeah, and then everybody's getting stings, and then people. It's it, it, there's always each of these animals. They all play a very specific role, um, a niche. With that's a word that we teach the children as well. And we spoke mm-hmm. about animals, but we what about plants? like mangroves oh yeah right? let's talk yeah. yeah those are ones that are you know not really taken into great importance yeah and every time we talk about mangroves people think it's the only the one that grows in the water because we have four species or five but yeah. one is very very rare here what are some threats or dangers affecting our ecosystem Ooh. or the wildlife the wildlife the so great bird island number one great bird island is heavily heavily visited now one time we had an interview and we said well it's a national park and um, there are situations where you have hundreds of people on a tiny island at the same time and we said you know it would be a good thing to regulate 
how people go. That was taken out of context and people thought we're saying people should not go to Great Bird Island. But the threat is that people go in great numbers, they destroy the habitat, either knowingly or unknowingly. Mm -hmm. They kill the wildlife because they don't. For example, you don't know anything about the Antiguan racer. You go to Great Bird Island and you see a three foot snake at your feet. What is the first thing that you're going to do? Right? Run. (laughs) But we have had people just go on the island, see a snake and just hack it to death. Several times. And our snakes are completely harmless. People, you hear this? Completely harmless. They do not have any venom. They do not have any poison. Literally, all they can do is like a skunk, they Mm -hmm. put out a stench. That's it. If they're bothered. If they're they're bothered. And that's Mm -hmm. only if. There's nothing that you are more dangerous than the snake. So our number one, well, one of them. One of them. That's number two. That's (laughs) number two. Number two, our number two biggest threat is humans. We are so destructive. Number one is invasive invasive alien species. Alien species. So when we talk about that, it's animals or plants that are not naturally occurring in an area, and they're introduced either intentionally or unintentionally, and then they take over. So with rats, remember I said before, when they got here, they had no known predators. Mm -hmm. Now they do, but then on the offshore islands, there are no predators for them. So they flourish. And a female rat at the beginning of the year, when she starts to reproduce by the end of the year, she has 15,000 descendants. Mm-hmm. Right? So imagine mm-hmm. a rat on a little island that has to eat and she is breeding and her children are leaving the nest already having children. Mm. Yes. And they all have to eat. Because what we say, if mouth open, food must mm-hmm. go in. So, right? Okay. So they all must eat. And they will eat everything. Y'all know about rats. Yeah. They Y'all will know about rats. Yeah. I will speak a little bit about mongooses because I know that some of the listeners are like, mongooses? What's wrong with them? All they do is run across the road. That's it. And to the general person, that's the only time you see mongooses. So you wouldn't think that it's a problem. But mongooses are very 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 destructive specifically especially for our turtles the turtle nest we had we i remember last year we had a very early lay she came like in in may and we were so excited a, a mongoose came and ate every single one of her eggs every wow. single one um and then even when the hatchlings come up they will eat them then as well with the snakes that's another reason why we can't one of the reasons why we can't bring back the snakes to the mainland because they would just gobble them down very easily I'm I know sure. people are happy for that I know yeah I know people are happy for that but we would like some snakes back but mm. yeah we can't just because mongooses they are so um, destructive and lizards they'll have an effect on. I mean mongooses they eat anything I think the we found mongooses. a tin can we found a tin can in one once yeah, the, so the mongooses are bad <laughs> yeah. and the rats are bad and the rats and the mongooses together are it's yeah. awful mm-hmm. yeah. Destru- yeah, I'm so. just thinking so we weren't here in the time when Antigua was forested or Antigua had um, parrots but I'm just thinking why is it that we always have to wait until we don't see things anymore and then say oh we used to we're very reactive yeah. Unfortunately, True. so I every time I take out children, I say, "Okay, so you saw a snake today. When you have children, do you want to show them pictures of a snake, or do you want to sh- come want back to and show them and the snake? experience this with your own children? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's what we are here for—to yeah. tell people, you know, mm-hmm. little things like when everybody is going camping, coming Easter, right? And mm-hmm. speak on that, it right now. Oh Natalia. my! So that I get <laughs> very nervous at that time because mm-hmm. everybody goes camping on the offshore islands, and we have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars people money from all over the world for environmental work mm-hmm. by people they say okay let's give you some money and we clear the islands of rats 
clearing the islands of rats is hard work, but that's mm-hmm. easy compared. compared to keeping rats off the island. Mm. Now, if they're close to the mainland, the rats can swim, they can dive, they can do whatever it is to get food. Did you guys know that? Rats can swim for about an hour before they get tired, actually. And not just on the surface, not no little kick paddle. They can dive as well. Yes, Believe it or not, you heard it here first, listeners. But apart from swimming, <laughs> yep, you did. How many times have you actually seen a boat tied onto something, and you see a rat running along the rope? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. a rat could be on the boat, and you don't even know. And then it, it's a pregnant rat, or it just takes one pregnant it, female, and all of our work is reversed. Yes, in like months. And when a rat, when rats get onto the islands, when is bird sea, bird nesting season? For uh, they're seabirds, and some seabirds live on the ocean for months at a year they'll sleep on the water they'll fly they'll fish whatever when it's time to nest they'll come to the offshore islands because the mainland so much activity so much dogs cats everything to eat their eggs so you find a lot of the the birds will nest on the offshore islands right they'll come in and then they get attacked by a rat or a mongoose or something and what's the sense exactly what's the sense (laughs) Listeners, so sorry we are out of time and I know we are just getting into the heart of things. But God's willing, join us next week on Lighthouse Conversation as we continue our talk with these two passionate ladies, Natalia and Shana from the Environmental Awareness Group here in Antigua and Barbuda as we cover our ecosystem. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or lighthouse b-i-m-i at gmail.com or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454 or send us a message via whatsapp or text at area code 268-782-1454 Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.